You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session, tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started. I'm here this evening with screenwriter and author Neil Sibley, who's been researching the paranormal for over 20 years. And his most recent book is titled Deception by Design, Understanding the Paranormal from a Biblical Perspective. Welcome to the show, Neil. Thank you. So I understand that you got started with the paranormal investigating the Bell Witch of Tennessee. That's correct. Um, and I think you heard my interview I did with Art Bell. That would have been in 2002 when I did that interview with Art Bell uh, on the Bell Witch of Tennessee. Yes. And that's an amazing story. It is. And the problem is that most of what you see, if you go on the internet, there'll be a lot about the Bell Witch, but it's, it's, it's watered down. It's not the true story. And the problem with it is that the, uh, if you don't research it from a biblical perspective, or if you, if you eliminate that, you water the story down to a ghost story. Hmm. And it, it was, this was not a ghost. This was a, a fallen angel manifestation, which better known as a demon. <laughs> hmm. It, um, I uh, obtained a the book written by the grandson who was a neurosurgeon in Nashville, the grandson of John Bell Jr., who was there, who was present during the haunting. Um, and that's the most accurate information on the on the Bell Witch Tennessee haunting. Can you describe some of what happened to you while you were investigating the Bell Witch, just for the the audience who may not be familiar with it? Uh, no, uh, I'm sure they're not. Uh, what happened to me was I was actually looking for a screenplay that had a had a uh, something that would have a a a, a biblical theme that that Hollywood couldn't remove, <laughs> but would be commercial, and. Uh, and uh, I, I ended up, this, this story basically came to me. Uh, I had never heard of the Bell Witch of Tennessee. Now, the odd thing is where it actually took place was only a few miles from where I was born. I moved when I was three. It occurred in middle Tennessee, uh, a small community about 40 miles north of Nashville on the Kentucky border. And this this event took place in the early 1800s and this was a first generation pioneer community and mm -hmm. the 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 haunting centered around the bell family and the the family was uh living on a large farm very productive it was a beautiful area of the country everything was 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 going well and um 
one day the father, John Mells Sr., was out hunting and he saw what he thought was a, 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 a large dog, extremely large black dog with a large head, uh, which it turned out that he realized it wasn't a dog and he shot at it. But the moment he shot at it, it disappeared. Mm-hmm. And then every that's when it all began. Uh, sometime after that, he he saw a um, a large bird, or one of the sons did, that they couldn't explain. We would call those today thunderbirds. Uh, and he shot at it, or was going to shoot it, and it flew away. About the same time, Betsy and one of her younger brothers, Betsy Bell, the daughter, saw what they what looked like a a was a woman swinging from a tree, a young woman in a pale green dress, and then she disappeared uh, into thin air. And the family at that time, there was John Bell Sr., of course, his wife, Lucy Bell. They had, oldest oldest son was John Bell Jr., who was 24 at the time. They had a, uh, a son, Drew, who was 21, and then they had Betsy Bell, who was 12 at the time, and then two younger sons. So you had children in the household from four to 24, which was not uncommon during that time period. And eventually what happened was this, 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 they began to hear very bizarre uh, scratching sounds on the outside of the house, and then it moved within the house, and they would hear what, what sounded like wings flapping against the ceiling at night, and dogs fighting and chains dragging across the floor. Uh, it became very bizarre. And then it, it escalated to where the children, Betsy and the younger, the two younger boys, began being attacked, physically attacked. It would, it would uh, pull their hair and uh, uh, literally slap. You would, you would not see anything other than the mark on their face. And this, uh, this it, it, focused, it began to focus most of its attacks on young Betsy. And for the first year, the family did not discuss this with any of the neighbors because they were, uh, they were concerned that they would, this was not something you wanted to get out in a Christian community because they would think mm. you were practicing witchcraft or something. Mm. And they just referred to it as our family trouble. At some point, uh, it escalated to where they would hear loud explosions in the home and the whole entire house would shake. And I experienced that myself when I began doing my research. Oh, really? Yes. And the first time it happened, I thought, I actually thought something fell off a plane. I went into the room, back room of the house, expecting to see the, you know, a wheel fell off a plane or something. I mean, it was yeah. that, that traumatic. I mean, it was, it was a loud explosion and the entire house shook. You were in the Tennessee home where the Bell Witch haunting took place? No, no, no. This is in my home in Mississippi. I'm doing my research oh. at the time. Oh, I live oh. just outside of Jackson, Mississippi. Okay. So as I'm doing my research, my I'm starting to experience the same type of events they were experiencing. So yeah. that became very alarming to say the least. Anyhow, after about a year, they they, they decided it wasn't going to go away. They decided they need to uh, consult with some of their local friends and at that point in time, about every fifth man was a preacher, okay? They would like rotate on Sundays, okay? And one of their close neighbors who was considered a godly man, an older man, they had he and his wife stay, stay over, and he prayed. And long story short, 
uh, sometime after that, it, it took it a while to gain a voice. At first, it just sounded like it was a whistling noise, but eventually it gained a voice. The first words that it said that you could actually understand, it repeated his prayer in his exact voice, which was, was very unnerving, to say the least. Yes. And then uh, it, it only got worse. They, the entire, they, everybody, they let everybody in the community in on it then at that point. Um, but when it did begin speaking, it, it stated its agenda very clearly. It was going to stay until it killed John Bell, Sr. Hmm. No reason given. At the same time, it declared his wife the best woman that ever lived. It would treat her like an angel. It also focused its attacks, physical attacks, on the daughter, Betsy Bell. So it also stated that it wanted Betsy not to marry the young man she was engaged to. You know, they got married early then. She was 12, but by 14 or 15, they'd get married. Mm. And, you know, this is 1817. So it made absolutely no sense. The oldest son, who was highly intelligent, John Bell Jr., would, he would, um, he would literally, he was not afraid of it. He would, he would, uh, verbally attack it, declare it a demon from hell. He would try to draw it, its attention to him to take, uh, he would rather take the punishment than his sister, his little sister. Mm -hmm. But it always proclaimed to love him and respect him. And, okay. and there was nothing he could ever do to provoke it to attack him. Now, the, the, the family at that point had an, an open house policy. The more people they felt that were there at night, the, the less attention it would pay to them. And neighbors would show up uh, every night there'd be a there'd be a crowd of people in the house, and it was fun to gabble. John Bell Jr., uh, 24 years old at the time, would 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 attack it verbally, attack it, and, and try to provoke a fight with it. And it would never yeah. it would always it always treated him respectful. It always seemed to at least it it would it, it at least it pretended I should say, for all we know. But it always proclaimed to love and adore the mother his mother or John Bell's wife and uh, John Bell Jr. This, this, this isn't making any sense to anybody, so nobody could make sense of it, but they, they had an, a, 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 an open house, I guess you could say, attitude toward it. They had visitors coming in from all over the country. It's word, you can imagine how word traveled very fast. And its, it's, it's, its favorite discussions were the Bible. And it would sing while they were having Bible studies, while Mrs. Bell was having Bible studies at the home, it would sing in the voice of an angel. This was this was commonly done, but but the but one of the most amazing feats that it did, that that impressed everybody was, it would actually deliver fruits out of thin air, and Dr. Bell, who wrote the 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 book 1934, The Bell Witch of Tennessee, um, personally visited Aunt Betsy before she died. Uh, she had moved to Mississippi. And she validated that. She validated everything. So he, so he was not only writing from uh, his research was not based only on his grandfather, John Bell Jr.'s notes. He actually talked to eyewitnesses who were there, hmm. and he also talked to some neighbors that were still alive. When he was nineteen, he he, he met with her, and she was in her eighties, and uh, she validated everything. And he said he could have written a whole book just on what she had to say. So. As this um, continued, 
um, again, was with, it, it would keep, it had total knowledge of what was going on in the community. And it would inform at church any sins that were committed. In other words, if a man beat his wife or his children, it would be told in church. Mm. So uh, as Betsy Bell stated, it became a model community. Nobody was afraid to, <laughs> to even think bad thoughts or it would be told. So you as a total stranger could visit the home and it would tell you everything about your past. None of that sounds demonic to me. I mean, it sounds like uh, it's making people act. It's playing the role. It's playing both roles. It would curse uh, in just very vile language as soon okay. as John Bell walked in the door. So it's, 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 it's just it's, it's playing both roles. And it, it didn't it was hard for me to make sense of this from a biblical. What is it? Is it, mm -hmm. is it is because from a biblical perspective, it's they only spirits only come in two flavors, angels and demons. This mm. thing's playing both roles. Yeah. OK, see. I see what you see by mean by both roles. It was both an angel and a demon. It, it was it was an angel to Mrs. Bell, but it was a, a devil. And it never stated any reason for its dislike for John Bell Sr. nor Betsy Bell. It never stated any reason, but it, mm. it, it, it did repeatedly state she must not marry the, the boy she was married engaged to and okay. so uh eventually it continued and immediately when this thing started john bell developed a strange uh, uh sensation in his mouth he, he claimed it felt like a stick was wedged in his mouth under his tongue you know sideways in his mouth so he started coming down with this uh, neurological uh disorder and it just continued to wear him down. But in the meantime, uh, there was a guest from England that traveled all the way from England to, to stay with the family, and he stayed for three months. And it was it treated him very respectful, and it it, it put on quite a display for him. Uh, it was it would it would even stack plates on top of each other, and it would just it would do all kinds of you know you would never see it. It was just a voice. But, but one thing that's interesting is about the voice. It had four different voices. One of them, it called Black Dog. That was the one you didn't want to mess with. That was the one that it would change into when John Bell walked into the rumor. And the other voices, the other two were, were Black Dog was, a, was an older woman. The, the two other voices were young women, young females. And the, the fourth voice was a, uh, a young boy. Uh, so it would change into these different voices depending on which subject it wanted to talk about. So if it wanted to talk about religion, it would shift to Jerusalem, which is the young boy. And, I th and it claimed to be four different, they called it the witch family, four different entities, but they always believed it was just the same entity, you know, because it could mimic people's voices. In one occasion, it actually uh, mimicked uh, the preacher's sermons. It gave their sermons at home each preacher's sermon that Sunday in their voice. But anyhow, back to the man that, that, that visited the from England. It told him that he had a, sister, a mother and sister, a brother in England, and that it would deliver a message, just get whatever he would like to send a message to him. And a couple hours later, it returned, and in his mother's voice, gave a return message. And this man later validated this when he did this actually happened. Of course, the mother was quite disturbed. She didn't know what was going on when she received him of hearing her son's voice. Yeah. But uh, it had that kind of power. 
and um, it was um, when when it 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 would, it would quote the scriptures faster than you could turn the Bible, the pages of the Bible, mm. and so you know again nobody's the, the general feeling was in the community is it would eventually lose interest in killing John Bell. I mean, they, they felt like they were sort of getting along with it, I guess. Uh, and, um, but that didn't happen. Eventually it took credit for killing him. And this was on, he, uh, he, it became more aggressive towards him and it began just wearing him down. And then it took credit for poisoning. him. And at that point, that was, that would have been December uh, of 1820. Uh, that would have been the fourth year it was actually there since it actually appeared in 1816. But the first year it didn't make its presence known. But anyhow, the, the John Bell, it killed John Bell Sr. And at, at that was a, uh, a turning point. It, at that point, it began treating Betsy Bell nice. It began, she would never speak to it, but it, 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 it would not attack her. Other than it would say it would in a very they said a very weird voice it would say do not marry uh, the young boy she was going to marry Joshua. <clears throat> it, it kept that agenda, but but it was just um, anyhow ongoing. But uh, the uh, the the people in the committee then were they were they were pretty much fed up with it at that point after it actually killed John Bell. And it, what was the poison? Do they know the poison that was used? It was something that was collected on the farm. They they found a vial of it because when he was dying, it was it was hovering over him, uh, and they were trying to do what they could for him. And it, it claimed that they did poison him and said, if you look in the cabinet, you'll find a bottle of a whatever some type of poison that he actually could pick some berry or something on the farm. And they uh, it was given to him. It claimed it did it, but it took for killing him. Wow. And um, so when it left, it. It, it, it began making less and less appearance after that, it, not as frequent. And eventually, it 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 would it would it talked John Bell Jr. into persuading his daughter, his sister, I mean his little sister Betsy, into not marrying uh, Joshua. Hmm. And she she uh, she broke that off, and their engagement off. And the only reason the spirit would ever give was it's for the benefit of future generations, something to that effect. Future generations will know why. Hmm. And so one day as they were uh, sitting around the table after supper, a, uh, they, they saw smoke coming out of the chimney into the, into the family room. And a, a, a large ball rode across the floor that appeared to be, uh, looked like a black cannonball made out of a wall, something like that. And then it just burst into smoke and they heard the voice say it, it declared that it was going to leave now and that it would return in seven years hmm. so you can imagine now that went over <laughs> so it's going to come back again in seven years and it stated that you would not be bothered by, by me at, during the time that period that it was gone now this is as a researcher, I had to try to figure this thing out. This wasn't making any sense to me, needless to say. And one of the statements it made to John Bell Jr. was, because they were always attempting to, he didn't so much, but the, the, the others there would try to get it to, they would try to prompt it to, what, what are you exactly, you know? Yeah. And it would never get the yeah. same reason yeah. or the yeah. same identity. Um, 
But this is a statement it made to John Bell Jr. that was recorded. You are correct. I'm not getting happiness in your world. I have no such thing, nor have I ever had. I do not deny my hope for a day of happiness past hundreds of years ago. Okay, so we're, we're seeing a doomed spirit here. Okay, but it says it says that because it hasn't enjoyed any happiness for hundreds of years, so it it it, fe it fell a hundred years ago. Is your interpretation of uh, that? Yeah, it's it's a fallen angel. Okay, mm. uh, it it's made other statements to to uh, basically acknowledging that it was a demon. Um, but of course, you don't know what to believe. You have to filter this through the Bible to try to make sense out of it, and. Uh, seven years later, uh, as it promised, it returned. Now, this time, the only people living in the old Bell Farm uh, home was Betsy Bell, the mother, and then, I mean, uh, Lucy Bell, the mother, Mrs. Bell, her daughter Betsy, and then the two younger brothers. Uh, John Bell had moved out, had married and moved, and was living on the other side of the farm somewhere with his own cabin. It made a short, brief appearance, uh, and they, the mother decided we don't need to talk about it. We don't want to get this thing started again. They're just going to keep it quiet. They didn't want to get the community involved. And it only stayed maybe two weeks there. Uh, and I don't. It, there were no communications given. It was just started with the uh, the strange sounds and the you know the, as it did the, initially. But it but it, it showed up at John Bell Jr.'s home and spent three months talking to him, very civil. Of course, he didn't want anything to do with it after he killed his father, he was still very upset over that. And uh, eventually it, 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 it just wanted to talk about the Bible and the future of America and, the, and, it, and historical events. And uh, it was very civil. And, uh, and when it left, it said that it would return in seven years to which I had a hundred. In other words, 107 years. Yeah. And then, if allowed, it would do something so as the whole country would know about. Um, and that was the last time they ever, the Bell family ever acknowledged hearing anything about it. And the uh, John Bell Jr. didn't speak about it. He didn't feel that it was time to re reveal what it had, statements it had made. And it was just hush hush and then the rest of the family even a hundred plus years later, when when the grandson, when John Bell Jr.'s grandson wrote the book, they were very upset about it. They didn't want anything. To, they wanted to let this die for good. So supposedly the spirit, 107 years would have translated to 1934, or <clears throat> about 34 or 35. Uh, I don't remember which, but anyhow, nobody reported it. It, but it, but that shouldn't surprise us because the, they. I don't think they would. They most of the family did not you know, want to be associated with it. But strange phenomena has gone on there ever since. And a lot of people think its presence is still there. Uh, for example, when I went to the farm, I didn't go to the farm until actually I finished the screenplay. And in my screenplay, there was a scene where the they looked out, the, the characters looked out the window and they see a, uh, the flitting lights, which were, during the original haunting, they, they often would see... Uh, like what they call balls of light or candle lights flitting across the field coming towards the house. Well, in my screen, there was a fictitious scene where there was three balls of light coming across the field towards the house, somewhat like a 
juggler's dance. And when I took the, um, when I went to the farm, uh, I knew the farmhouse wasn't there. It had been torn down, the original home. Nobody wanted to live in it. So after uh, Mrs. Bell died, they tore it down. And I started to take a shot of the field, the, the vacant field. I knew about where the house was. And in my screenplay, I, I had the house being there, the, you know, the original house still standing. But something said don't, in my head, just don't take that shot. So I went down to the bottom of the hill there, and there's I knew the border of the farm because the border was the Red River, which is basically a big creek. So I knew exactly where the border was. And the neighboring farm just across the creek or the river, there was an abandoned farmhouse that said exactly the distance from the road I described in the screenplay, mm. a couple hundred yards. And I took the shot, and it it came out beautiful. The first perfectly centered. I think you've got the photo. And on the first print, it was just, there was nothing on it. The second generation print, the three orbs showed up exactly as I described in the screenplay. There's three and they're bouncing along the field going, it looked like they're going towards the house. They're the same size and everything as described. So you developed the film and you, ha and you had a photo and you didn't see it. First generation, I took it to a photo, you know, this is back when people took your, you know, this film to a photo lab. Yeah. They developed it, the first prints, and it was nothing on it. Mm. But, but I took back to have additional prints made. Mm. It showed up. Mm. Second generation prints. Now, I tried the third time, and it's clear. So it just magically showed up. The, the one scene that would pertain to that picture showed up exactly. So that was just one of many things that you can't explain. Uh, but it's, it's, I've understood that it's not uncommon for people to go to the farm and take pictures and, and oddities that you, you know, paranormal oddities that you can't explain show up on camera. Did you ever speak to it or did it ever speak to you? No, and I didn't want to speak to it, but I had enough. I just, my house became, uh, what happened was, uh, there was a, you know, you're writing a screenplay. So you're, 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 you're being tempted to compromise the biblical because you're dealing with Hollywood. <laughs> so each time though I would I would go over that border something very it was like it, I was open to attack you see what I'm saying you know things would fly off the, the counter or you know you're, you're starting to see things that you don't want to see now here was the problem I couldn't figure it out I thought at the beginning you said you didn't go into this believing it was a fallen angel you were just writing about it as a as a haunting but at what point did you become convinced it, it was obviously a demon spirit but it did okay. it wasn't it wasn't fitting into the biblical interpretation you know it was it was playing the role it was here's the problem was according to the bible you can test the spirits if they acknowledge jesus christ is lord i'm paraphrasing here then they're they're from god but if they deny jesus they're they're not you see according to the bible that's how you because otherwise a spirit could it, it says in the bible can a demon can appear as an angel of light the devil himself can appear as an angel of light you know they can you know, they can be deceptive. Okay, well, this was quoting quoting scripture and proclaiming Jesus as Lord. So there's a problem here. If it's a demon, why is it, it doesn't seem to fit the, the biblical interpretation here. Very confusing yes. for me. And 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 then I couldn't make sense. Well, I if in my screenplay, I'm gonna draw a parallel to the, the, the you know, the, the spirit returning to the original haunting. Well, I can't write the screenplay because I don't understand what was the motive here. None of it made sense to me. Mm. And so I, um, I basically said, uh, um, well, 
I said, Lord, uh, you're going to have to show me. I can't make I'm sorry. I, I know there's a biblical interpretation here, but it's not making any sense to me. I, I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Well, lo and behold, uh, I went to a, a um, book signing there in, in, in Jackson, Mississippi, where I lived at the time. And there was a local author that, in, that sold a book. And there was, anyhow, I was with a lady and, and was, we were leaving. Uh, like, I just heard in my spirit, you need to go back in. There's a, there's a book on the Bell Witch that just came out that you need. So I told the lady what I was doing. She thought I was crazy. I went back to, and I met with a person behind the, the desk there and that worked there. And I, I told him, I said, I'm looking for a book on the Bell Witch. There's a new book that just came out. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, go ahead and check it. Go on the you know computer and check it out. And he said, whoa, it just came out. <laughs> I said, order me one. Now, this is what's really strange. This book that just came out, had just been released, was actually a manuscript based on a manuscript that had been sealed, that had just been recently discovered in Mississippi. Now, Betsy Bell had moved to Mississippi, North Mississippi, and she died in North Mississippi. This manuscript was discovered by a lady from Port Gibson, Mississippi, which is the setting of my previous screenplay, which is a very small town, by the way, just north of Natchez. What it, what it, what this woman evidently was an heir to the Bell family, and she was cleaning out some stuff in the old home in an attic, and she found a manuscript that had been sealed, written by the man who did marry Betsy Bell, which is her school teacher. She did marry the, the boy she was engaged to. She married an older man who was her school teacher. He was dying of a heart condition in the 1840s, and he wrote a, a, a he wanted the, the daughter, his daughter, to know everything about this in case it came back again. But he didn't he didn't want to scare her, so it was just like, don't open this if there's a problem. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So it had been sealed. Mm -hmm. He, It was copyrighted. This lady took it to an author or, or a lady there in Vicksburg that was a author uh, or knew where to get it, you know, written into a book. And anyhow, long story short, it was copyrighted. And when the spirit came back in this manuscript, what happened is it came back to him before he died and told him why, Betsy Bell's husband, what this was all about. And this was a shocker. John Bell Sr., who everybody thought was a godly Christian man, had evidently sexually abused Betsy. And Betsy never never told. She never never confided this with anybody. And so now it's starting to make sense. But the son, Betsy, I mean the son-in-law, Betsy, Betsy Bell's husband, uh, Richard Powell was his name, he asked it, well, I don't understand. Why didn't you talk all the time? Well, why didn't you why didn't you speak? Why didn't you speak out and tell? You know, you told everybody else's secrets. And it said uh, their job was confession, mine was retribution. <clears throat> okay? And now this is starting to make sense. And it went on to say she should, Betsy should have gone. It said the truth carries a heavy price. Betsy should have gone to her, to her preachers and to her mother and told. She didn't do that. Confession was their job. Its job was retribution. So now it's beginning, to, it fits into the biblical understanding. It makes sense now. That's not completely clear to me. So can you explain that? So um, uh, I wouldn't think of avenging. I think of retribution as something that's morally demanded. And so I would think of evil spirits as not engaging in, ret in retribution, right? So 
Okay, so, no, wait a minute. I'm going to explain. This was a, a, a fallen angel, but the Lord has control ultimately over both his angels and the devil's angels. You see what I'm saying? So it was okay. being used. Then there's there's a case in the Bible in the book of Job where, where, where the Lord himself took Satan and, and, August, and you know uh, directed him to attack a godly individual, but mm. put limitations on it. So this this demonic entity was allowed to manifest, but there were there were there were restrictions placed on it, but yet it was still had to maintain it had to be within the scriptures. You see, it acknowledged Jesus Christ because it was actually there by the authority of Jesus Christ, and you couldn't remove it. You couldn't re rebuke it in the name of Jesus. It would simply laugh at you and say, I'm, you know, nobody can choose me to move me from the from my abode other than Jesus Christ himself. Okay. You see, so it was there. It's a real, it's an oddity, but it does fit within the biblical understanding now. Now, he could okay. have used an angel or he could have used a demon. What would be more threatening? The demon would be more threatening. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But but it was, it, it had to be good for, or to the people that, if you were an upstanding Christian in, in in good standing, you were you were immune to it, and it it, it would actually favor you. You see what okay. I'm saying? So it's it's in other words, it's if you weren't, it, it knew all the secrets, so you 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 couldn't fool it. But it it, it fit now. It, 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 I can make biblical okay. understanding of it. So now. it its behavior is consistent. Can I ask one question though? But didn't didn't you say that it it would um, repeat the sins of everybody at church? But, but it didn't repeat this particular sin. So how is that consistent? Because you said like its job wasn't confession, but apparently it was. It was forcing people to confess. Right, but 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 it could have it spoken out, and that's what the uh, what Betsy Bell's husband was was didn't understand, and it said the it was the job. It was Betsy or John Bell Senior. John Bell Senior knew why it was there from day one. He knew exactly why this was there, you see, and he he this was his demon. He had brought this on his family. It was his sins that brought this into his family's home. But he wasn't, uh, I guess you could say, just wasn't up to the task of, 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 you know, admitting to his sin because in that day and time he would have been banished uh, to the wilderness. They didn't have any tolerance for that, and it would destroy the whole family. I mean, it would it would have been hard on the family, and and Betsy chose not to, uh, you know, to keep the family together. But what it did was, when it did appear, it other family members would stay with Betsy. In other words, they they Betsy was never alone at night after that, so it stopped uh, John Bell visiting her room at night. It put an end to that, so it in a way protected okay. her. That completes the first part of the interview. Thanks for listening. I'll be releasing the rest, a full two hours, next week as a separate episode. In the second part, we get into John Keel, UFOs, Bigfoot, and why some Christians are uncomfortable talking about the paranormal. Until then, stay strange and stay sane.